the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the sixth chapter. He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. The Gospel of our Lord. Dear Saints, there was a young couple that had been married for just a few months when they engaged in various conflicts. Neither said aloud exactly what they were thinking, that their marriage had not been working. To this point, it hadn't been what they had dreamed of, what they had hoped for or planned for. They both feared that perhaps the marriage was simply a big mistake. One day, after yet another argument and misunderstanding, the young bride burst into tears and called her husband heartless and selfish. He shouted that he'd rather be heartless than to be a nag. He grabbed the car keys on his way out. His parting words were, that's it, we're done, we're through, and I'm leaving you. But before he could put the car into reverse, the passenger door flew open and the young bride climbed into the vehicle and sat on the seat by her husband. In disbelief, he questioned her, just what do you think that you're doing? And in humility, she replied, giving the answer that would decide the direction of their lives for the next 43 years. If you are leaving me, I'm going with you. This story of conflict had a happy ending. As often is the case, conflict resolved can result in a closer and stronger relationship between people. And in today's gospel, we see conflict happening between where we would least expect it and with the most unlikely of people, 
with the friends and family of Jesus and with his neighbors, the people of his hometown of Nazareth. Jesus was no doubt looking forward to being there and receiving the same warm reception that he had received elsewhere. The people Jesus had grown up with thought that they knew him. They thought they knew him really well as the son of Mary and Joseph, the carpenter. As a carpenter, Jesus would have had the skills to make doors, furniture, and even oxen yokes. While a carpenter's work was much appreciated, they were not giving the same respect like a religious leader or a rabbi would have. The townspeople were not familiar with this Jesus, but the Jesus that they thought they knew. When they heard Jesus speaking so profoundly in their own synagogue, they wonder what this local kid is up to. How can this man they have known since he was a toddler have such understanding and wisdom about the things of God? He never studied under a rabbi. He's a carpenter. And if he were the Messiah, he would be of a noble family and surely would be robed in much more glorious attire. He didn't match what their preconceived ideas and assumptions of what the coming Messiah would be. So where Jesus least expected, he experienced sarcasm, rejection, and conflict. He knows firsthand what it's like when we too experience conflict with those close to us and feel wounded by the sarcasm of our opponents judged and put into a box. Jesus responds to the rejection and their assumptions of him. He proclaims only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Jesus didn't demand to be honored by the hometown residents. Rather, he was seeking to sow the seeds of faith for the future. Nevertheless, he was amazed, amazed at their lack of faith. They were too locked into their views about religion to want to learn new truths and insights about Christ and from Jesus. So what do you think? Is it hard to escape the judgments and the assumptions of who we are or maybe even who we were? There's this Red Dirt Country musician, one of my favorites, Cody Canada, and he's even played in my hometown of Mile City. And he sings a song titled 17. The chorus line states, you're always 17 in your hometown. <laughs> How true is that? And for that is most likely the reasons why I personally struggle. I struggle with filling this specific call in this specific congregation. You see, I was raised in this church. I was baptized here. I was the young toddler who made a lot of noise. I was the junior high kid who had too much energy and asked a lot of questions. I was the teenager who got in a lot of trouble 
and who told inappropriate stories and jokes. I'm the kid who fell in love at a youth group convention and proclaimed to the youth leader that I was going to marry that girl someday. (laughs) I did, by the way. So allow me to ask you a question. Is it difficult to hear the gospel, the proclaimed word of God and his good news delivered through your preconceived experiences, your judgments and your assumptions? Is it difficult to escape the past and what you think you already know? We are content in our own thoughts, our own reason and our own feelings. We think we already know what we know and you think you know just who I am. And for that matter, you also think you know exactly who Jesus is. And it's because of this, this great hindrance, this unrelenting roadblock, a roadblock to a deeper appreciation and a maturing faith of what Jesus means for us today. And it is the feelings of familiarity and assumptions with his life and his teachings. We think we already know who Jesus is and everything that he is capable of. We are contempt and we can be complacent not open to new possibilities and new hopes. And when it is suggested to men and women who see themselves as reasonably good Christians that they could benefit from a deeper examination of what the New Testament says about Jesus, well, they give the impression that they know all that they need to know about the Messiah already. Those who, on the other hand, regularly study the scriptures, they will tell you with never-ending excitement of the new discoveries, the new hope that they've found in Christ that deepens their devotion to him and increases their eagerness to put his teachings into practice throughout their life. Our Lord's unique contribution to us growing in moral integrity is Jesus himself, Christ alone. Jesus himself moves us to put into practice what he teaches us. He inspires a love that continually delights to show love to others. Jesus' words of love are life-giving and liberating. He says to us, if you make my words your home, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8, 31. Jesus himself is the center of his message of good news, the gospel for us. Now, after being rejected in Nazareth, Jesus didn't let that painful result hinder his ongoing mission work in any way, but went out and on to teach in other villages where he was warmly received. And many of our great leaders have had great difficulty dealing with the familiar and the ordinary people. Not so with Jesus. Our Lord found the workday environment of ordinary folk immensely attractive. He is unsurpassed in his ability to identify with ordinary people, as we can see from his parables. Ordinary people like you and me. 
His parables are full of the details of daily life. But with a twist, Jesus reversed existing values. The last is now first. Those are the, who are the humblest are often the wisest. And the lowliest servant is the greatest citizen in the kingdom of Christ. While a despised Samaritan is held up as an example of how we are to treat a needy neighbor. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus stopped to listen to and help needy individuals. He is deeply affected by those who need his unique help and praises faith wherever he sees it in action. It is faith in him above all that Jesus seeks from us. Where faith is alive and active, marvelous things can occur. Faith opens the door to unmerited, unearned blessings to us from our Lord. To say to Jesus, I believe, help my lack of faith, Mark 9, 24, is to ask him to do more for us than we can believe. It's a request that Jesus loves to hear and to respond to. Our Lord delights in drawing close to those for whom faith is yet a struggle. You don't need to understand everything that Jesus said and did in order to keep following him. He calls us simply to believe, to fear, love, and trust in him above all things. We often find Jesus is closer to us when we are in our darkest of times, depressed and in despair, rather than when everything's going just as we planned and going well. May we come to him as soon as we can, when life is a burden, as he invites us to. Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. All those who came to Christ in desperate need received from him more, much more than they expected. God grant that you will experience this too so that you can act as Jesus's ambassadors as did his 12 apostles. Jesus didn't let his disappointment in Nazareth hinder his work. Instead, he extended his work by means of his 12, sending them out two by two. Two by two, this Mark takes special notice of. They went together to teach at each place that out of the mouth of two witnesses, every word might be established and that they might be company for one another. When they were among strangers, they might strengthen the hands and encourage the hearts of each other and help one another if anything should be amiss and support and encourage each other. Every common soldier has his comrade. And it is an approved maxim that two are better than one. And from this, Christ would teach his ministers to associate, to both lend and to borrow help. They supported each other in his mission. And by sending two, they always ensured that two or more were gathered in his word. He was giving them authority over evil spirits to cast them out in his name and to preach his message wherever they warmly were welcomed. Their casting out of evil spirits authenticates the message that they preach. 
And before this, Jesus had spent time with them, preparing them and nurturing them for this specific ministry. And they would continue to learn so much more by putting all that they had previously been taught into practice. Jesus sends them out in full confidence that their work will be effective. And to encourage them, Jesus says to them, those who listen to you are hearing me. Luke 10, 16. You know, Jesus says the same to us today. We are his ambassadors and his advocates. The gospel he has given to us is too good to keep to ourselves. He is delighted. He is thrilled when we take risks for him. We are not to remain within the safe confines of our church buildings, but rather to put into practice out in the world all week long what we learn here in his house on the day of worship. Jesus' family, his friends and neighbors who initially rejected him in Nazareth would come to believe him after Easter on Independence Day. With our witnessing, we too sow seeds of faith and hope, belief for a harvest to be prepared in God's good time in the future. Let freedom ring. They were able to finally see him and his word for what it truly is. And we need to humble ourselves as well to be empathetic to what being delivered to us is. And from what source that word comes. The messenger may be a 17-year-old troublemaker. It may be a friend. It may be a fellow brother or sister in Christ. It may be our neighbor, a disciple. But it's always in his name, in his word and his promise. The covenant that will set you free. True freedom. So whatever we do in Jesus's name is an extension of his work in our world. Remember, whatever you do for our Lord is never in vain, but will bear fruit for eternity. Henry Benjamin Whipple. He was an Episcopal bishop and a missionary known for his work in the Dakotas. And he once said, all we want in Christ, we shall find in Christ. If we want little, we shall find little. If we want much, we shall find much. But if in utter helplessness, we cast our all on Christ, he will be to us the whole treasury of God. Dear saints, do not become clouded by your own judgment, your own reason. Do not remain a slave, but remain steadfast. And keep your faith cross-centered. Know about the gift of Christ and him crucified for you, your liberation, your independence day. May you enjoy learning more and more about Jesus as long as you live and take great joy in putting that learning maturity into practice. For it is Christ who is at work in you and through you. That is sanctification and comes to us through the Advocate, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, with grace and such great mercy. Know that you do have this Helper, that you are never alone, 
and he will never betray you. You may have thought that you were leaving him, but he is going with you. His ways may not be our ways, but always know they are in our best interest and key to our salvation, our eternal life with him. May that give you peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding and guards your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.